You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. What does it mean for the Quran to consider the wives of the Prophet as the mothers of believers? What does that mean? What is God trying to say? Let's look at the reason for revelation. Sabab al Nuzul. We find that when Allah revealed this verse, that His wives are like your mothers, or your mothers, right? Some companions became upset. One of those companions is Talha. This is mentioned in our sources in Tafsir Nur al and it's mentioned by Suyuti in his um, Tafsir book Ad-Durr al-Manthur. It's a Sunni work of Tafsir. He mentions this hadith that Talha, when uh, he heard that the Prophet said, you cannot marry my wives, he got angry. He said, how come Muhammad can marry our woman? If, there, if her husband dies, he can marry her, a widower, right? But we cannot marry his wives if, after he dies. And then he made an oath. He says, If the Messenger of Allah dies, Aisha. I will marry Aisha. <laughs> this is a Sunni hadith, by the way. It's Talha, companion, saying this. Is this appropriate to say to a prophet, you know, that particular wife of yours, if you die, I'm going to marry her? Can someone of Iman really say that? What's that? He'd never say something like that, yeah. <laughs> okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very angered by this. So he reveals verse 53 of Surah Al-Ahzab. Allah says, وَمَا كَانَ لَكُمْ أَن تُؤْذُوا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ You don't have the right to hurt the Prophet. وَلَا أَن تَنْكِحُوا أَزْوَاجَهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ أَبَدًا Nor do you have the right to marry any of his wives after him. This is a huge sin in the eyes of God. So Allah made it very clear that you can't marry any of his wives. So one meaning of the mother of believers, they're like your mom. Don't ever think of marrying your mom, right? Who thinks of marrying his mother? Just like you'd never dare think to marry your mom, don't think of marrying any of the wives of the Prophet. That's a clear way to communicate to those rigid Arab mentality. How do you tell an Arab guy, get it out of your head, you'll never be allowed to marry the Prophet's wife. How do you communicate that? Tell him, look, she's like your mom, khalas. Don't think about it. That's the meaning of the verse. Allah is not saying her repentance is accepted, she's a righteous woman, she's very high ranking. No, Allah says, just like you can never marry your mom, you can't marry the wives of the Prophet. They are your moms, you can't marry them. That's one aspect. Any questions about this aspect? 
When you look at the reasons for revelation and what Hafs Talha says and verse 53 in Surah Al-Ahzab, the same verse, it becomes very clear that there were companions who wanted to marry the Prophet's wives, Allah banned it. And this is just a clear way of saying it. Okay. Some professors of the Quran have given the following, have given the following possibility. Okay, the mother of the believers, let's face it, is an honorary title, right? Like can, can you deny that it's an honorary title? Does the honorary title mean that they're good people? I'll give you an example. Someone being from Bani Hashim. Is being from Bani Hashim according to our religious law for instance and our hadiths, is that an honorary title or no? Yes. Does that mean everyone from Bani Hashim is decent? <coughs> Who was Abu Lahab? Which the Quran says is, is going to hell. It's uncle of the Prophet. Is he from Bani Hashim? Yes. Is he a good person that you follow? No. Bani al-Abbas, the vicious dictators, weren't they descendants of al-Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet? Aren't they from Bani Hashim? Are they good people? No. So why Islamic law gives this honorary title to them, such as for instance them allowed to be take, take the khums of their poor? Because the khums is allowed for who? Anyone from Bani Hashim, صح? Anyone from Bani Hashim, as we call them the Sayyids, are allowed the Khums. This honorary title of being from Bani Hashim, of being a Sayyid, is it an honorary title for the person himself or for the one whom he's being attributed to? And who's he whom he is being attributed to? Rasulullah. When Allah gave a special privilege to Bani Hashim, was the privilege, the privilege given to them or to the Prophet? to the Prophet, not them, otherwise there are vicious people from Bani Hashim, the first one Abu Lahab, isn't it so? This title mother of the believers is an honorary title Allah gave to the wives of the Prophet, not because they're necessarily good people, but because Allah wanted to honor Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Because they have some sort of relationship with him, which is the spousal relationship, Allah gave them an honorary title. It doesn't mean they're good, it doesn't mean they're going to heaven necessarily, it doesn't mean you follow them, it just means Allah is honoring Rasulullah, that's all. So whoever is related to him by blood, Bani Hashim, they have an honorific title. Whoever is related to him by what? If not by blood, then by what? By marriage, they have an honorary title. Does that mean they're good people necessarily? No, it has nothing to do with that. This is the meaning of the mother of the believers. So it is an honorary title, just like the Sayyid is an honorary title, but that in no way means this person is good, they're going to heaven, follow them, so on and so forth. It has nothing to do with that. They're not mentioned in, in, in the Quran, but Sunnis and Shia both agree that Bani Hashim uh, did have, uh, you know, a, a special status. That the Prophet would give them uh, from the Khums. Now Sunnis don't believe in the Khums of income, they believe in the Khums of war. The 
spoils of war. And so uh, the Bani Hashim did have an honorific title, yes. Abbas, his, his, his descendants, they claimed we are from Bani Hashim, you know, we have a special status. Okay, the fact that you're from Bani Hashim, it does not mean that, you know, you're suddenly a good person. Same thing with, with, with the wives of the Prophet. Any response to that? And the best proof that the wives of the Prophet are just like any other people, they could do good, they could do wrong, is Surah Al-Ahzab, right before uh, the verse of purification, Allah says, look you wives of the Prophet, if you do good, Allah doubles the reward for you because of your relationship towards the Prophet. And if you come with a huge sin, bifahishatin, mubayyinatin, if you come with a fahisha, with a big big sin, then Allah will increase the punishment on you. What does that mean? That means the wives of the Prophet can be good if they are pious and they could be bad and Allah will punish them in hell. Surah Al-Ahzab, look at the verses before 33. Would you like to read, uh, let's have someone uh, read the translation of those verses very quickly, maybe starting at verse 30 or 31. 30, do you have the English translation? Uh, can you read it for us? concerts of the Prophet. Consorts meaning wives. wives. If any of you were guilty of evident unseemly conduct, the punishment would be doubled to her, and that is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But any of you, this is 31, but any of you that is devout in the service of Allah and His Messenger and work righteousness, to her, to her sh shall we grant her reward twice, and we have prepared her, for her a generous sustenance. See? The Quran is very clear, if you commit something indecent, something inappropriate, a big sin, Allah will punish you and if you do good, Allah will give you a great reward. That in itself means you're not automatically good wives just because you're the wives of the Prophet. Some of you may be good, some of you may not be good, very simple. Just because you're the mother of the believers does not necessarily mean that you're good. One last point here about the mother of the believers. Let's say you have a mother, given that she's your mother, what do you have to do towards her? Respect her, right? Mm -hmm. If your mother, God forbid, is a kafir, a deviant kafir, do you, okay the Quran says still be respectful, but do you obey her? The Quran says no, if your parents are mushrik, don't follow them. Do you consider her as a source of guidance? No. Do you follow her? No. Yeah, do you respect her? Yeah, still respect her. So the most thing that you could say with the mother of the believers, okay respect them because they're the wives of the Prophet, but does it mean you have to follow them? Absolutely not. Do you have to take the teachings from them? Absolutely not. Depends whether they're pious or not. So just because somebody is like your mother, doesn't mean they're automatically going to heaven. See the Quran says your parents are mushrik, they're going to hell, but still, be good in your words, don't obey them but be respectful, so that's another dimension of it. So in this verse in no way does the Prophet 
Does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala witness that they're righteous women, all of them, and that He accepted the repentance? So, so far we've established about Aisha and also Hafsa, but our point of discussion is Aisha. She committed a sin that the Quran considers a deviation of the heart. And does the Quran ever tell us, or even Sahih hadiths, ever tell us they repented from this sin? Why, why, why should I follow a person like that? and consider them a source after the Prophet. That's our position in the Ahlul Bayt. We don't have a personal problem with Aisha. But someone like that from a Quranic perspective, now I'm not even going to Hadith, we'll get to Hadith later. I'm just looking at the Quran. How do you trust someone like that with your deen? You tell me. And a person that the Quran describes as their heart deviating, is this person really a believer?